We've got to uh, part two in our final part of our Make It Count series. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Markers, and I'm really excited um, about that. That's kicking off our five-year celebration. Um, But for today, we'll finish off uh, this series. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story that many of you may not believe, but when I was at school, I used to be a long-distance runner. Now, most of you look at me now and think, how on earth were you ever a long-distance runner? And I apologize. I've now got the dad bod. But at one time, I was as skinny as my little Finger. Uh, and so I was a long distance runner. My event was the 1500 meters, and I made it to our school track team. And this one uh, track event that we went to, we went to this school, um, and I was running in the 1500 meters, and I was in ninth grade at the time. Uh, and I was on the bus with the ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, and 12th graders. And uh, our event was supposed to be first because we were the youngest, so we were the slowest, and then the 12th graders were at the end. Well, when we got to this school, we found out that they had to cut some of the events short because there was some big event uh, going on in that school that night. So we had to cut the, uh, the athletic event short. So what they decided to do, they took uh, our 1500 meter race and they combined our race with all the other grades. So... We were one of the last races to run, and uh, we get to the, the start line, and I'm there, and I was like really small in ninth grade. I don't, I think I like stopped growing when I was like 25, and so uh, I was like really small when I was a kid. And I'm there, and I'm at the start line, and I'm looking at uh, like up at these 12th graders, thinking, "What am I doing here?" Well, the the starter uh, ha- had us get on our marks, and he had like this fake gun, that like like toy gun, and and. Uh, they didn't have like real guns. It's England. We don't have guns. And so we had like this toy gun and he shot the gun and we all start running. And immediately as we started running, I started to think, wow, this pace is really fast. Now, normally when I ran these races, I would try to like just stay off the leaders just a little bit. Uh, the first two just uh, like run off their shoulder. And, uh, and my move was right at the end. I would like sprint to the finish. And so like I would come round, and I didn't always win, didn't always work. But my times weren't bad at all. I made, I made the team. Well, we start as the, 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 the race started, suddenly like these 12th graders, 11th to 12th graders, they were going out so quick. And I, doing what I normally did, tried to just stay off the shoulders of the leaders. And so I'm running and I'm staying in pace with these, with these uh, guys. Uh, but I'm suddenly realizing, wow, if I keep up this pace, I'm going to break my personal best like by so much. And we get around the first laps of the first 400 meters and 1500 meters is three and three quarters around the track. And so we get to the first 400 meters and I'm right there with the leaders. And I'm, I feel like I'm sprinting, but I'm like, if I can keep this up, then I'm going to get my personal best. Well, we got around the track the second time, so after 800 meters and suddenly I'm like back in the middle of the pack. By the time we got around the third lap, I was at the back of the pack, way at the back, and some of the leaders had already finished. I suddenly realized as I went through my third lap, my legs had gone. That I had hardly any breath left in me, and I could hardly run at all. And that last three quarters of a lap 
were the longest, slowest, hardest run I have ever done in my life. In fact, I looked and I started seeing people finish. I had come so far back. I just wanted to give up. I wanted to fall down. I wanted just to like pretend I had an injury or something just so this race would end. It was the worst I had ever ran. And by the time I got to the finish line, like half the crowd had already left for the night. There was only a few people left. And I realized that it was like the most embarrassing race I ever run. I got my time. I was disgusted. It was the worst time I had ever run for 1,500 meters. And I decided that was going to be my last time I ever ran the 1,500 meters, hence the dad bod. And so what I discovered that day was as I started running, I discovered that my mistake was that I started getting caught up in running everybody else's race instead of my race. See, I knew how I should time my laps. I knew how I should run going through, and I knew that I was running way too fast in the beginning. And any major athlete knows that it is important to have their own strategy. They know that they need to plan ahead of how they're going to run that race. And as they run the race, in the first few laps, they cannot be concerned with what other people are doing. They have to know that and they have to keep to their own strategy strategy, and they must keep to their own plan. And that's something that totally went out the window for me. Because I started running everybody else's race instead of running my race. And last week we introduced you to a scripture in the Bible that's found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And this is what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 is all about. It's all about running our own race. This is what it says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. And last week we discussed that and we said the great crowd of witnesses are spectators, people of the past watching us in our generation now. And that that there are things in this life that weigh us down. There's the worries, the troubles, the anxieties of this world that weigh us down. We talked about giving them to Jesus and so we can strip them off. And then we talked about the the sin that clings to us and trips us off. And we talked about how we need to come to Jesus and make sure that sin strips us up or that sin doesn't trip us up. And then the writer of Hebrews finishes verse one with this. And he says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I've said so many times from from this stage that God has a plan for your life. You may not know it, but God has a plan for your life. In fact, that plan that God has for you, his plan is good and it is perfect. His plan for your life is so much better than your plan you have for your life. And in fact, that plan that God has, has already been mapped out in your life. In fact, Psalm 55 Uh, tells us that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. The steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. So we have this choice in our life now. We can choose to follow God and follow the plan that God has for us, or we can choose our own plan. We can choose the race that God has set before us, or we can choose to run our own race and go in our own steps. See, each of us, we have a race to run. 
Some of us, we go a little quicker than others. But each of us, we are in this race. And I call this race the journey of faith or the journey of life. And your race will look very different to another person's race. Your journey of faith will, will take you sometimes on a different path than other people. Other people, they may go this direction and God may map, map out the race this way while yours is this way. But each of us have this race to run. But the problem for so many of us, and myself at times included, is that at times we do not like where our race is heading. We don't like the direction that God is taking our life and our race. So instead of trusting God and keeping going on in the place that God has for us, we start to look at other people and we start to want to run their race. Have you ever been like that? You've looked at someone else like, why have they got that life? Why can't I live their life instead of my life? And so often we do that. We look at other people's races and we want to run their race. And this was me when I ran that 1500 meter race. I started off and I wanted to be a 12th grader, but I was only a 9th grader. I only had the legs of a 9th grader. I did not have the endurance of a 12th grader. And so I started running their race instead of my race because I wanted to be as quick as what they were. And this was the problem. I started to run to their strengths instead of my strengths. See, I had, I had a way that I ran that, that enabled me to finish strong. But I put all that out the way so I could start running somebody else's race. Have you ever been at an airport and you're going to like Omaha, Nebraska or like St. Louis, Missouri or Little Rock, Arkansas or, you know, New Hampshire or Maine, you know, and some place that you really just don't want to go. And sorry if you're from those places. I apologize. I'm sure they're wonderful places. I just don't want to go there. And so you've been in the airport and you've got your ticket and you walk into your gate and suddenly you go past the gate and you watch everybody in their Hawaiian shirts and their shorts and it's the gate to Miami, you know, or it's the gate to Hawaii. And like you walk in and you're probably late for your plane, but you just stop for a moment. You look at them and you're like, I wish I was going on that plane. How many of you have ever done that? Only a few of you. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm envious. So I like, I, I, I want to go on that plane. And this would happen to me a lot because uh, my sister lived in Springfield, Missouri. And so I would always catch a plane to go to see her. And uh, so we would get on the plane and it would be like this little like propeller plane that you feel like has got chickens in the back and stuff. And it was be good. it's going to be going down like if the storm comes and you're about to get on it. And then you watch all these people like going to, you know, the Caribbean or Mexico, you know, and you're like, why can't I get on that plane instead of going to Missouri of all places? And so that would happen all the time. And so some people, they're like that. They look at what other people are doing and they want to do that. And this is how some of us approach the faith or the race of faith. That God has set before us. See, Hebrews says this. It says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And so I was like this when I was a long distance runner back in the day. See, what happens? All long distance runners know that there comes a point in your run when you just want to give up. 
where you feel that your body cannot take anymore, that's, that you run and you're like, I just want this to be over. Marathon runners call it the wall. They hit the wall. And even in a race, like a 1500 meter race, I would get to this point in the race where I'd want to give up. And I would always look over at the sprinters. And I would be thinking like, my race would take between four and six minutes. Their race takes between like 11 and 12 seconds. Or if they're doing the 200 meters, it would take between like 21, I mean, we were like school kids at the time, so 21 and 25 seconds. Why can't my race be that quick and then everybody likes the sprinters? Like nobody remembers the long distance runners. They like the sprinters. And so I always was like jealous and envious of, of the sprinters because like they feel like, I felt like they didn't have to work. They never got tired. They just quickly ran and their race was over. Why couldn't I be like them? And then I started to see how they trained. And I suddenly realized, wow, I'm glad I'm not a sprinter. The fact I'm not muscular and I'm not tall and I can't sprint and I'm not very fast, that's one thing. But the other thing is, they're like in the gym lifting weights. They're like having to eat special like, like foods and protein shakes that are disgusting. You know, they're having to, 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 to do stuff and they have to like wear spandex. I mean, come on, what guy wears spandex? And so they are, you know, they're doing stuff that, that, I did not think that they did. And I looked at them and I realized like all the training that we did is we just ran. We ran. And they would look at us and they're like, you have it so easy. All you have to do is run. We're in the gym at six in the morning trying to lift some weights so that we can get a little extra yard of pace. And so often we're like that in our race of faith. We look at other people and their life and what they're doing. And we're like, I want to be like that. But we don't realize what is going on behind the scenes. And this is the thing. God has designed each and every one of you. He has gifted you and made you perfectly for the life of faith that God has set before you. He has gifted you perfectly for the life he has set before you. Did you know that nobody else in this world could accomplish what God has designed for you as well as you? Nobody. And you cannot accomplish what God has designed for someone else like they can accomplish. Sometimes we look at other people and we think, well, they're just doing a bad job. I could do something so much better than that. And if they're living the life of faith, then no, you cannot do what God has designed for them to do. And in your life, nobody can do what God has designed for you to do as good as you can do it. So we are to run the race that God has set before us. And so you ask, well, how do I do that? How do I run this race of faith that God has set before us? And the first thing that we need to do, we we find out it takes focus. It takes focus to run the race God has set before us. There are two things we must always keep our minds on as we're running this race of faith. And that is to keep our minds on our training and on the prize. Our training and on the prize. See, nobody runs just for the fun of it unless you're like crazy. You know, I mean, you run because you want the prize. You, you're in something because you want the prize. Like, like nobody does fantasy football just for the sake of it. You know, you do fantasy football because you want bragging rights and you want the prize at the end. Nobody does anything just for the sake of it. And so in this race of faith, there is a prize. 
And so our eyes have to be on the prize. See, if there's not a prize, then we can lose focus real easy. If there's not a goal that we're working towards, then we can lose focus really easy. But it also takes training as well and the discipline of training. And in fact, the Bible tells us about this. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 24 to 27. And there was a guy called the Apostle Paul, and this is what he said. Don't you realize that in every race, sorry, don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? Unless you're like six years old and, you know, you're on a soccer team, then everybody wins, right? But only one person gets the prize. And this is what Paul says. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it, Paul talking about the journey of faith, but we do it for an eternal prize. So Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what it should do. So this is what Paul is saying here. He says, we are in this race and there is a prize. And so as you're going along your journey of life, then there must be purpose in the things that you do. Because you must train and discipline your life so that one day you can get the prize. And I love what he says here. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing here. What that means is he's not like just doing a rocky. He's not like just, just there like punching air like that, you know. He's like, like actually training for a purpose. And, and so he is saying that we need to train hard. We need to be disciplined. And we need to be serious about this journey of faith. See, Paul, every step of his life, he says, was with purpose for a reason. That it was taking me to the prize ultimately God has for me. And I ask you today, what are you running towards? What are you running towards? Where is your life taking you right now? How has God gifted you? What is the calling God has put on your life? See, I believe that God has called me for a purpose. And I believe that my calling in life is to pastor a church and teach the truths of God. That's what I believe that my calling in, in life is. And, and so my calling in life isn't to be a pro golfer, even though at times I wish it was. My calling in life isn't to be an investment banker. It's not to be a builder. My calling in life is it's not to be a, a, a chef or a baker. My calling in life, I believe, is to become a pastor and a teacher. And so that means everything I do in life, it needs to be disciplined so that I become the best pastor and the best teacher I can possibly become. See, this is why I have to be careful about what I'm filling my schedule with and what my focus in life are. And you see, I, I read books and I go through seasons where I read a lot of books sometimes when I, I don't read many. But I don't get a bunch of books out and read about medicine, about how to become the best doctor. 
And the books I have on my shelf aren't about how to get my 401k like the best it can be. It's not to become the best investment banker. my, My books on my shelf aren't about how to get on the PGA tour. Because I know my purpose in life isn't that. So instead, the books I read are the books that help me become a better leader or a better teacher or a better pastor. And so I've realized that. So I'm, I'm now trying to get my schedule so it's focused on becoming who God has called me to become. See, if you want to become who God, who you believe God has called you to become, then you need to discipline your life so that you can actually win the race. So that you can run the race. And some of us, we spend so much of our time doing things that have no purpose in our lives. And it's just dragging us back. And and it's pulling us back. Instead of becoming focused on who God has called us to be. In this race that God has mapped us out to be. Or to run. I ask you today. Where is your weekly routine taking you? The routine that you do week to week. Where is it taking you in your life? What does your priorities say about the destination you're going to end up in? What do the priorities that you have in life say about the destination you're going to end up with? What do the people that you hang out with say about the person that you are going to become? What does your bank statement say about what you value? See, we can look at things in our life and we can see exactly where we're going and who we are becoming by our routines and our priorities and how we spend our money and and who we hang out with. Because eventually that's the place that we are going to end up in. See, for the life of faith, the race of faith, there is a prize. And it takes discipline and being intentional to get that prize. So it takes focus. But it doesn't just take focus. It also takes endurance as well. The writer of Hebrews says, so let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, I'm amazed at times at the endurance of some people. Like I look at marathon runners and I think, how on earth do they do it? Anyone here ever run a marathon? One person, two, three. Okay, what about half marathon? Like a few more. Like, how about a 5K? Okay, a few more. The rest of you, you need to get your running shoes on and get your butt outdoors and, like, start running a little bit. Like, I haven't done the 5K either myself. But I look at marathon runners, and I cannot believe that after 26 miles, they still have the energy to sprint to the finish. I look at tennis players. I was looking at the U.S. Open this last week. And, after, like, deep into the fifth set, some of these guys, and or third set for girls, they have the energy and the endurance to still be hitting aces down deep into the fifth set or running around and making a baseline winner deep into the fifth set. I'm like, how do they have the energy and the endurance to do it? The people I admire the most are triathlons, triathletes. Anyone ever like run a triathlon? No, good people. <laughs> because I think they are the stupidest people ever, you know? But this is what I don't understand. These triathlons, 
they get in the water, and I don't know how long they swim, like a mile or something like that. After 100 meters, I'd be done. I'd be like, done. But yet, they get out of the water, then they get on a bike, and then they, they cycle, I don't know how many miles, and then they get off the bike, and then they run to the end. These guys and girls are just like pure, enduring athletes. I don't know how they do it. How about the businessman who has failed? or made a loss year after year, but he knows that one day his product is going to take off. And so he endures to the end. What about the actor who keeps getting rejected at every audition time and time again, but he knows that there will be that one chance that will make his life and create his career? What about the musician who keeps getting rejected by, uh, by music executives? So instead, they, they, they play weekend after weekend in like jazz clubs and, and different small settings just so one day that they can get spotted. Their endurance is impressive. How about the heroes and the champions of faith in the years past? The ones who went to places to tell of the good news of Jesus that you or me, we would never go. The ones who endured beatings and persecutions and killings and they were laughed at and they were thrown in lion's dens and they were thrown in coliseums uh, so that lions could come and devour them. That they, they were put out into, into the streets so people could flog them. Their endurance is impressive. See, if you want to experience a life-changing, bold, blow-your-mind-away type of faith, then it's going to take extraordinary endurance. For without endurance, you know what you're going to do? One day you're going to get up and you're just going to walk away. See, there may come a point in your life when your journey of faith takes you to a place where you want to give up. That maybe. You just have so many doubts and questions that you've had enough is enough. Maybe you're in that place right now when you're on the verge of just quitting because this journey of faith is too much. Well, if that's you, then I want to give you some scriptures just to help you along your way. The first scripture is found in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And James, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How about Paul in Romans? He says this, Romans 5, 3 to 4. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. One more, Hebrews 10, 36 says, Patience, endurance, is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. I call this the James factor. The James factor. And this is what the James factor is. Troubles are part of life. Because they help us develop endurance. 
And endurance is needed to stay in the race. Without endurance, you will not finish the race and you will not win the prize. See, some of you, you're going through troubles and trials and situations right now and you want to give up. But I'm saying don't give up because what God is doing in your life, he is creating endurance. And endurance will come and strengthen you, will strengthen your character. And eventually you'll be made perfect, incomplete, lacking nothing. And you'll win the prize. See, those moments of doubt and hardship and those troubles that may come into your life, they are not meant to destroy you. But they are meant to strengthen you. One of my favorite movies is Rocky IV. Rocky Four is a movie a long, long time ago. Some of you are like, what the heck is Rocky? You know, some of you, you weren't even born when Rocky Four came out. But this is what happened in Rocky Four. Rocky fights a guy from Russia who's the Russian champ. He's like a machine. His name is Ivan Drago. And he goes to Russia to, uh, to, to fight him. And like the end of the story, like Rocky is responsible for bringing down the Iron Curtain. And like communism goes because of Rocky. He's amazing. But what happens is... He goes to Russia to fight, and instead of just going into like the, the gym and training to fight, instead he knows that this is the toughest opponent, opponent he's ever going to experience in his life. And so instead of going into the, into the gym and doing his normal routine, instead he goes out into the wilderness in Russia and in the harshest of conditions, in the worst of their winter, and he decides to train. So he goes out running in the snow. He goes up on like a mountain and lets out a big scream. Uh, like he does like these chin-ups uh, uh, in a barn and, you know, he's doing these sit-ups you know, uh, in a barn and he's pulling things and it's like amazing and the music starts going and you just feel like you just want to go out out in the, in the outdoors and like do what Rocky does. Then you go outside and you're like, it's too cold. Like, let's just go back inside. But, but this is what happens. Rocky realizes that he has to endure and he gets into the ring and Ivan Drago goes, I will break you, you know. And, and in the beginning, Rocky's losing, but Rocky has developed endurance. And as he stays in the ring and he takes more and more of a beating, he suddenly starts realizing, if I can just endure, I'm going to win this thing. And at the end, like, you can tell it's an American film because, like, all the Russians then are cheering for Rocky. You know, I mean, that would never happen, let's be honest. But it was great. But in the end, Rocky won because he endured to the end. And in the same way, in your race of faith, in this journey of faith that you're on, you may want to give up. But instead of giving up, don't give up. Keep going. Don't give up on your calling. Don't give up on the gifts and talents that God has given you. Don't give up on the thing that you know God has put in your heart. If you've been praying for a long time for something, don't give up. See, God has not forgotten you. God is still waiting there with the prize for you. Don't go chasing someone else's race, for God has a specific prize for the winner of your race. And this is the prize. It's a prize of hope. It's a prize of self-sufficiency. It's a prize of joy. It's a prize of grace. It's a prize of mercy. It is a prize of salvation. It is a prize of heaven. And so you say, well, Alex, how do we endure? And I close with this. This is how we endure. We remember Jesus. We remember Jesus. Hebrews 2, 
4 to, 2 to 4, sorry, Hebrews 12, 2 to 4 says this. We do this, talking about let us run the endurance God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. We remember Jesus. See, because Jesus decided to stay the course. Jesus decided to endure the cross. Jesus decided when he wanted to give up, I'm going to carry on. Jesus said to to God, let this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering pass from me. But then he said this, but not my will, God, but let your will be done. He endured. He kept going through all the beatings and all the trials. When When he was put on a cross and everybody laughed and scorned and spat at him, Jesus continued. Why? Because Jesus knew there was a price. And today Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And because Jesus endured, now you have a prize as well. And that prize is the salvation of God through Jesus Christ. And my plea to you today is this, stay the course. Stay the course. Run the race God has mapped out for you. Don't be led astray by what others are doing. Don't be worn down by the troubles of this life. Don't go through this life like you have nothing to give, like you are nobody. Instead, keep running. And let us be people who sprint towards the finish line. Paul said to his young mentee, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. There is a prize waiting for you. And that prize is Jesus. Stay the course. Sprint to the finish. And watch what God will do in your lives. Let's bow our heads in prayer.